0: All right, good morning. All right, so who stayed up till midnight? Raise your hand. Who made it to one? I didn't. Who made it to one? So if you stayed up to midnight and you watched Dick's Clark Thing, you got to see the people in leopard um, pajamas, I guess. So that was nice. Um, so very good. I'm glad you're all here. Happy new year. And this is a real special time of year. This is a special Sunday as well. It's, uh, it's it's abnormal. My wife and I don't usually do this time of the service together, and I'm putting my marriage on the line for hopefully your benefit. So um, we'll see if I can pull this off in a way that will keep my marriage intact and growing in the way I want it to go. So, But this morning, we're starting a brand new series, and we're doing it together. And it's called Be Intentional. And this is, a, this is a topic that we've worked through a bunch in our, our married life. Um, it's just one of those things, and for, for us, it seems to be that we have these conversations when we're in the car. We do this a lot in the car. We start to evaluate and, and talk, and it's just like the one time the kids are restrained in seatbelts, and um, it's relatively quiet, and that's the time that it seems that my wife and I have to connect and to talk about things that actually matter. But so often... In the Except l- you're not looking at me. I'm looking at the road, which makes it easier for me. I have a hard time having serious conversations looking people in the eye. But um, uh, we really all have a picture of what we would like our life to look like. Uh, In this time of year, right, it's the time of year that we start to evaluate that picture and where we were going and how can we make better decisions in the right direction. Uh, Sometimes... That picture of what we'd like our uh, life to look like, we don't have a lot of control over. We all know that there's certain life circumstances that hit us, and there's nothing we can do about them. Uh, Childhood experience that you would have never wished on yourself, and maybe your mind goes to certain things. Uh, An illness that you never would have wished. Um, There is uh, loss of relationships, maybe from death or from decisions from other friends, that now that that friendship's just not the same, but there's nothing you could have done to stop that. But there is so much in our life that is not like that, isn't there? There is so much in our life that we have some semblance of control over, that we can do different things and make different decisions to change the course of our ship and move it in a different direction. Sarah and I often talk about what is our picture of what we would like our life to look like. And it can be kind of comical, Sometimes, but more often, it's just frustrating that that picture that we have of our life, what we would like it to look like, is not often the the way that our life is moving in every direction the way we would like. And while it's funny at times, it's also a little bit frustrating. We have our our picture is not unattainable. It's not something that you know I want to be an NHL hockey star like I did when I was a young kid, but yet I just can't. You know, for obvious reasons, I'm not awesome enough. It's not that our picture is unattainable. It's imminently attainable. It's just that common everyday life uh, just squeezes it out because we make decisions that are easier and unplanned. And it, it works like this. If you were to ask Sarah and I what we value, we would say well, we would say all kinds of things, but we really value travel. Like we would love to use all of our disposable income that's wise to go on trips and to do stuff, but on Friday night, when there's not a lot of groceries, it's just easy to call pizza, right? And so that's not really a planned thing that I like pizza more than I like trips to Newfoundland. It's just one of those things that I'm hungry and pizza is awesome and I want it now. Or there's times we would say if you were to ask Sarah and I, and we we would say we really value having time of connection with our spouses and our kids. But on a weeknight after you've done homework and you're really tired, it's just a lot easier to watch Lab Rats on Netflix, which is a big improvement over Bob the Builder. Now that my kids are eight, six, and three, I have, I I look forward to the day when we can watch awesome stuff. But for now, it's Lab Rats. Um, but it's just easier to watch Lab Rats on Netflix and sit in front of the TV than it is to, like, meaningfully connect over your day, isn't it? And so this picture of what we'd like our look to life to look like as it correlates to our everyday decisions is something that we think through all the time.
1: But um, with this comes the different ages and stages and different personalities and uh, different situations that we're in, and each of those bring different issues and different challenges. And so, you know, before we want to get started, we just kind of want to say... Um, This is not a time that we're going to talk through all of our issues with you. That'd be a really long conversation. Um, You can join our small group, and then you can know all of our issues. (laughs) Or this is not a time that we are going to sit down and share the wisdom that we have gleaned and impart to you, because that would be a very short conversation, because we're figuring out everything.
0: We do some things well.
1: (laughs) But I feel like we're mostly figuring it out. As we go. Um, So many of you guys do things better than we do. You're more organized, you're more exercised, you're more intentional in different areas. And so this isn't a time where it's going to be a comparison and let's all see where we are in this and compare like who's doing really poorly and who's doing really well. And this isn't even a time that we're going to say we would like us all to look the same way or that we would even like you guys to look like us because we're not. We're all different. We have different ideas of what we want our life to look like. This is more just a talk that has continued to come up in our marriage and our parenting when we kind of say the same old line and we think like this does not look the way we want and we know how to get there, we're just not making decisions to get us there. And so our conversations always end with the same conclusion and really this is what we're always saying. If we want to get to this picture that we have, we've got to be intentional and that word keeps coming over and over. And um, so what we just want to talk about this morning, and we just want to invite you in as we share this, is the space between the goal you have for your life and the fulfillment of that goal, we think, is intentionality. It's being intentional. When you know where you want to get, you even know how to get there. Sometimes it's just being intentional to get you from where you want to be to where you are. Um, there's a quote that I love, and I read it years ago as a college student, and it, it's one of those things that keeps kind of going on around like a broken record in my head, especially when I feel like I'm not living the way I would like my life to look. And um, author Annie Dillard, she said it so well, and she said, the way we spend our days is, of course, the way we spend our life, right? Right? The way we spend our days is the way we spend our life, and we want to spend it well.
0: We want you to, too, because it's a better life, right? And so this morning, as we get started, uh, we just want to give you an easy working definition that hopefully you'll remember as you leave today about what it means to live intentionally. Being intentional is nothing more than saying no to the things that are easy and unplanned so that you can say yes to the things that you really value. Being intentional is saying no to the things that are easy and unplanned so that you can say yes to the things that you really value. So no to lab rats, yes to connection with wife and family. No to pizza, that's really hard for me, so that you can say yes to travel. And you could fill in the blanks of what your no and your yeses are, and those will all be different. But being intentional is saying no to the things that you do, not because... You've thought through them, and that's where you want to go in life, but that you do because they're easy and unplanned so that you can say yes to the things that you would say in your sane moments that you really value. And at the beginning of our our new year this year, and it's a new year for all of us, it's January 1st, 2017, our hope is that during this series, we would like to inspire you to consider your unique picture and what intentional decisions that you need to make to get there. The goal of this series really would be that you would go home at lunch today and throughout this week and throughout the beginning of this couple weeks in the new year, and that you would have lots of conversations with your spouse, with your friends, with your parents, with your kids about what is it that you want your life to look like and how can you get there. If you're a wife, that comes really easily. If you're a husband and you don't want to talk about emotions much, I get that. If you're a teenager, everything's going bad, I get that too. But don't you have a picture of what you want your life to look like? And let's start thinking about what do we need to do to get there. We don't want to just uh, challenge you, however, to think through what do you want your life to look like. We'd also like to, and obviously we're in a church this morning, we'd like to challenge you to consider the question, what does God want my life to look like? I think uh, so often for people sometimes inside the church, but often outside the church, if they were to start to think, what would it look like for me to live my life the way God wants it to look like? That may not be a question they'd ever ask, but if you were to ask them, what would that look like? They would immediately think I will be stifled and cannot do any of the things I want to do. But that is just not true at all. If we were to live our life exactly the way God wanted us to live, we would not be thinking all the time, I wish I could do that, but I know I can't we would be experiencing incredible joy and freedom. I think that's one of the lies that Satan tries to uh, fill our hearts and our minds with, that if we lived our life God's way, our life would suck. But it is just not true. If we lived our life the way God wants us to, we would experience the incredible joy, satisfaction, and freedom that comes from living how we are uniquely made to live in relationship with God and relationship with others. I think a lot of times... The church has done a bad job at communicating this, and we've stood for things that we're against, but we are for all kinds of awesome things that we want for you personally to experience the joy and the freedom that Jesus has to offer you in your life. And if we were to really understand the Bible, we would not be further stifled, we would be further freed. And so let's let's as we go through we're not this is not a comprehensive list of what we're going to talk about or what we need to be intentional about we're going to show you and give you a picture into our lives and the things that we struggle with we've got five things we're going to work through two two main points and f- uh, five sub points but as we work through those things my wife will pre- preview those in a moment we're we're sort of pretty decent at two of them and three of them we're we're working hard in the new year at but as we work at them you might come up with your own points and subpoints for your life. I'm sure all of us like to do that over lunch. And so let's start to talk about it.
1: Actually, I do like to do that over lunch. So uh, <laughs> if I you think, want to have lunch with me and talk about your intentions. I think
0: that's something that's right. like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yes?
1: No, I think that's personality.
0: I do too, actually. Okay.
1: So we're starting well this year, aren't we? <laughs> so over these next two weeks, there's four areas that we're going to look at that have just come up regularly between us. And so again, like please hear, like this does not have to be your life, your picture, or your issues, or your intentionality. We're just sharing with you ours, and then maybe you can think like, well, this is mine or different or whatever. You take it, the ball will be in your court, okay? But we have four issues. We're going to do two of them today, spiritual life and self-care. And then we're going to focus on two of them next week, and that will be family relationships and cultural engagement. Um, they're all important. They're all things we've talked about. We're just breaking it up like that. But as you'll see, and we talk to all of those will flow into each other. You know, um, your spiritual life affects the way you see cultural engagement. Your self-care affects the way that your family relationships go. And so even though we've broken them up, they all really really flow together and play off of each other. Um, We just want to share with you the ways that we are trying to be more intentional in these areas.
0: All right, so we'll get it started right off. Spiritual life. The first area under spiritual life that we want to talk about is our personal Bible reading. But before I get started in on that, uh, I want to connect... We have, uh, Lifespring, if you've been here for any length of time, six months, you will have heard us talk about what does it look like to grow in your faith? And there's five core things that we talk about. We talk about them as if they are the irreducible minimums of spiritual growth. They are worship, connect, serve, grow, and share. Worship, connect, serve, grow, and share. And today we're not going to talk about all five of those. In fact, two of the things we're going to talk about come under grow and one comes under community or connecting. But as we talk through these things, there are certain things we need to do in our spiritual life to grow. We can't say, I'm past that point in my life. They have to be done. For instance, if we want to have a healthy diet, we've got to eat broccoli every so often. It's just part of the deal. You've got to eat something green, something orange. you just got to put that in the mouth, right? It's the same way with the way we handle our spiritual life. There are certain behaviors we don't grow or mature past. They are Irreducible minimums, doesn't matter if you're eight or 108, you've got to do these things regularly and often. Worship, connect, serve, grow, share. Nobody ever outgrows gathering in a worship service and recommitting their life and recommitting... Uh, their life to Jesus and saying to Jesus, I am agreeing to follow you willingly. We don't, we don't grow past that. Nobody grows past uh, connecting with other Christians around prayer and around sharing what's really going on in their life and around applying the Bible. Never, nobody ever outgrows serving people in the community and serving people within the church. You don't outgrow or mature that behavior. You never outgrow growing in your faith personally through Two of the things we're going to talk about in just a moment, and you never outgrow sharing your faith. It's, sharing your faith is one of those things. If you really were filled with the beauty of Jesus, it would be so natural for you to talk about Jesus in the same way that I talk about Rio Tomatlan. It's my favorite Mexican restaurant. It is awesome. But it, I don't have to do that. It's not awkward for me. I love Rio Tamatlin. I love Mexican, and I especially love their Mexican it's just one of those things. But I also love Jesus. I want to be filled with his beauty more and more every day, and I want to talk about it more than I talk about Rio to And you are thinking, I want you to as well. <laughs> so the first area that we want to talk about is personal Bible reading. Personal Bible reading. I'll t- I talk a lot in church about, and I, I, I always worry that I'm going to be misunderstood, and so I want, to, I want to speak to this as clearly as I can. I talk a lot about... Spiritual growth is not about gaining more information, but it's about applying what you know. It's about applying what you've read. And I think sometimes uh, some people will come up to me and say, well, aren't you de-emphasizing being in the Word? And I just want to make as clear as possible, of course not. We have to be in the Word regularly. But we go to the Word of God not just to memorize what is in there. So like our you know, and this was really hard for me, and I've had to go through this process. Uh, For the past 16 years of my life, I've either been in Bible college or seminary, or I've been in the Word. I don't have the option to not be in the Bible often. I have to teach about it. I have to, it's my job, Uh, in the same way that other people do different things. They study bridges, or they study medical journals because they're doctors, or whatever it is. It's my job. But When we go to the Bible, my goal is not to memorize the order of Paul's three missionary journeys, although I think that's awesome. I do know them. I did at one time. I probably could get close. But it's not the goal. That is not spiritual transformation. The goal is not to know how many books in the old and how many books in the new. That's awesome. I love that stuff. I went to school for it for eight years. The goal is to engage God through the word of God that he is. Communicated to us about himself. If we took an approach with our spouses, for instance, where, where our goal to s- growing our relationship with our spouse was information based, it could look very much like this. We, we in the in the beginning dating is easy, right? Because you don't know anything about them. What are your parents like? How crazy are yours? You know, what is your family like? What things do you like to do? You know, I like puppies, volleyball. You know, you know, you just go through it, and so. As you're going through this stuff, it's just real easy. But as you go through that dating process, the goal is not to learn all the content of what Sarah likes and enjoys. The goal is to engage with Sarah. And so sometimes I I look at older couples, and they just are so wonderful and beautiful. And sometimes I look at older couples and they're at a restaurant, and they don't say anything. And they're just staring at each other. And I wonder if the conversation is going through something like this in their heads. They're at the restaurant. They really like it. Maybe they're at Rio to and they're there, and they're like, I know she likes the flan. It's delicious, so I don't need to ask her if she likes it, right? I already know. Or I wonder what she likes. Well, I already know what she likes. I've learned the content of my spouse, so I no longer need to ask her questions. We don't ask questions and engage with each other for the sole purpose, however, of information. Now I know that information, and I love you more, right? That's robots, We engage each other for the purpose of intimacy and to come into a closer contact and connection. Men in general aren't good at this, including me. But that's the goal, not information, but transformation. And so as we engage the word of God and as we come to the text, the goal is not simply to understand the the content of what's in it, although that's without question important and we're going to gain that. The goal is to come to the text and ask, Who is God and how can I reorient my life around him and his will? We want to do all that with sound biblical interpretation, but the goal is to engage God himself. And I always remember some of my best seminary professors, I always wondered how could they be so fresh in the word of God? They already know everything it says practically. That's how it felt to me. But yet the word of God was always so rich to them because it's engaging God himself through the processes we go. One of my favorite uh, psalms, as I think about this context, is, and I'm just going to read you one verse, but uh, is Psalm 119. It's 175 verses. It's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. If you're doing a Bible reading program, it even breaks, up, breaks it up into a day or two So when you read that one. It's really long. But as you read Psalm 119, the entire psalm, and you could go home and read it this afternoon, is all about the Word of God and God's precepts, His guidance, His Word, what He tells us. But Psalm 119.105, a very famous verse out of Psalm 119, says very simply, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. As we engage the word of God, we need to go to it to engage God through the word and to realign and reaffirm our commitment to him. And while I've never really had the luxury or the option of just not being in the word of God, I would be fired pretty quickly if that was the case. I need to be reminded honestly and often to engage God through his word and being in it often. Not just to say stuff to you on Sunday morning, but to engage him. And I can do that as I prepare and I try to, but I need to have times where I just spend time in the word of God. It's the way we spend time with him. It's one of the best ways. I put it, you'll notice if you open up your bulletin, I've got a little, I think it's a little beige sheet and uh, it's got a, a scripture reading plan. This is This is one I've recently come across. This is pretty new, and it's really a neat one. Uh, It's from the Bible Project, and you can go online, but it's got a how to read through the Bible in a year plan, and you'll notice it's got readings that you go through. These are designed to take you 15 to 20 minutes a day, and for some of you, that might seem like a whole lot, and I get that. For me, it's a lot sometimes. But if you want, I'm going to start doing this myself this year. This is going to be my goal, and I'll join you with it. And this Bible reading plan is going to take you through the Bible in a year. And it's also, you'll notice, it's got readings, and it's got psalms, and it's got videos. There's not a video for every day, but there are videos that kind of introduce major themes. For a lot of us, we start reading through the Bible, and we get to about the 20, 21st chapter of Exodus. And then they start describing the priest garments, and we're done. But these will help you stay connected, and I would love to do this together. And you can come up to me anytime you want on a Sunday and just say, hey, Pastor, what you think about the Bible reading this week? And that would be a really fun. It will keep me accountable. I'll know that you're doing it, and we can go through it together. And if there's everything, anything you have questions about, they have videos that will work you through, or you can also email me. But we need to have some kind of way that we can just start, if you haven't already, to start to engage God through his word.
1: The second way that um, that we want to try to be intentional in our spiritual life is through prayer. And um, let me just start with reading a couple of those verses, if I could. Psalm 5.3. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. And Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and um, if you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, you've heard a lot about prayer, you know that it's important for our spiritual life. We believe that not only it changes us, but it changes the circumstances and the people around us. Um, We need to do it, but I confess that it is something that I have struggled with for all of my life. in different areas. And so I just want to share with you three ways that I struggle with it and then kind of some of my areas to be intentional that I'm going to try to work through this year. The first one is kind of feeling um, like it's a chore, like it's a chore, like it's something that I pray because I need to, because I need to check off that box. It feels dry and I feel distracted. Um, I don't know if you can relate, but so many times I will, will start into a prayer, and about a minute later I'm mentally planning my grocery list or my meal planning. Really. Like, it's I don't know how it, it went from one to the other, but it has. And I'm not even, I don't even think I'm talking to God anymore. I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. But, um, but I get distracted with that. Or it feels kind of like chewing on chalk. You know, it's just dry. It's not engaging and so that's one area that I feel like I am continually struggling with. It's it's an ebb and flow. Um, another area that I've struggled with has been that of um, just not making it a habit throughout my day. And I've tried kind of different things with that. But again, it's felt so much like I wake up in the morning and I check it off and I'm done. It's not it's not a thread that's woven throughout my day. It's um, It's something I check off in the morning. And... That's not how I want it to be. I know that I need it. I know that I need to be doing it. It needs to be through my day, but I've struggled to do that. And uh, another area that I have struggled with it is just praying for people. You know, again, I, I strongly believe, and it's throughout our Bible, that praying, it isn't just changing the inside of our hearts, but it's changing somehow the circumstances and the people that we interact with. And I believe that, and I have people that I am friends with and family members that I love and I pray for them and I I it goes in spurts you know sometimes it's regular and it's consistent and I feel like I am really bringing them before the Lord and other times it is just hit and miss and you know sometimes I'll think uh, sometimes I'll get to the end of my day and think did I even pray for my sons or was I just busy going from one thing to the other and so it's been a constant struggle and so I know it can be more. That's the thing. I know my prayer life can be more. It's not this mystical experience that only some of us can have. It's just praying. It's just talking to God. I know it can be more, and I know that I need it to be more. And um, there's lots of different ways that you can go about this. And so if this is something that you struggle with, try to figure out a way that works for you. Let me tell you a couple of my ways that I'm trying this new year. Um, one of them is when I, when I feel dry, when I feel like the praying is just not coming, there's just kind of blankness. Um, I go to prayer books, and I've got a couple up here, actually. Um, this is the Book of Common Prayer. This is called The Valley of Vision. It's a book of Puritan prayers. And you know what? Later we can either post on Facebook or a blog. We'll give you some of our resources that we just enjoy. But um, when I'm feeling dry and the words just aren't coming, a lot of times I'll just start reading the prayers of people from 200 years ago. And as I read through their prayers, I'll find that it it, it jumpstarts me, or I'll start to realize that, wow, 200 years ago, he felt the same dryness, and this is how he prayed through. And a lot of times, as I'm reading through that, it'll jumpstart my prayers, and then I'll find myself going into a time of genuinely sincere prayer. And so I found that that has helped me with the dryness. With the distraction, you know, and this is different for everybody, but um, I write them down. I write my prayers down almost all of the time. And sometimes that is 45 minutes of writing my prayers and pouring out my heart to God. And other times it is five minutes of just kind of doing a list of the things that are on my heart and on my mind. But for me... I've found that it is impossible to be distracted while I am writing it out. I can't focus on anything else because I'm focusing on what I'm writing. And so that has really brought me into the moment of prayer before God. And so that's helped me um, enormously. Also, too, I've found um, there's a physical aspect of it, of writing it down that somehow makes it a little bit more real. I don't know if you feel like this, but sometimes to me... Prayer kind of feels like standing in the darkness and just calling out into the void. Is anybody really hearing this? And um, somehow in the writing of it, it makes it a little bit physical and it helps it to feel to me like my prayers are being heard and they're being formed because they're right there. And so it makes it a little bit more real to me and helps me to, to better to better feel like I'm doing something, I guess. Um, for me, I start my day with prayer. I'm a morning person. By 9 o'clock at night, I'm, I'm done. And did I stay up till midnight last night? No, I did not. <laughs> I went to bed. <laughs> I'm not a night person. And too often for me, long night prayers turn into dreams. And so I'm best in the morning with my cup of coffee. And so that's, that's what I do. That's how I start my day. But there is a little practice that I've started doing recently And it's called a nightly examine, and it's a little way to kind of end my day. And it's simply asking myself two questions, okay? And so it can be when there's a quiet time after you put the kids into bed, or when you crawl into your bed before you drift off to sleep, however you do it. I usually do it right when I crawl into bed. But it's two questions, and it's I ask myself, what am I most grateful for today, and what am I least grateful for today today? And you could word that different ways. What brought me the most joy today? What brought me the least amount of joy today? What was most life-giving? What is most draining? You can word it the way that it works. But what am I most thankful for today? And as I kind of review my day and think back through it, in, in a form of prayer, it's Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for this working out. Thank you for whatever. It's kind of a nice review. And then as I look back what I'm least thankful for that day, it gives me a time to to name what that is, whether it's a mistake on my part, and so I can confess it and say, I messed up with this. Lord, I'm sorry. Help me to do better and give it to him. Or whether it's a thing of, you know, so-and-so hurt my feelings, or I don't understand why it went down, and it's, it's broken my heart, and it's a time to bring that before him, and then kind of to release it as much as I can and go to sleep, and kind of the thing of, I'm thankful for this, I confess this, or I'm hurt by this, and all of these I'm giving to you right before I rest, and so that's something that's kind of helped me a little bit work through, starting my day and ending my day with prayer. And you know, that's something that we have started doing with the boys a little bit, our three boys, and it's actually really neat because it gives us some insight into their day. You know, sometimes like, what, what was the highlight of their day? What brought Walton the most joy? Or what hurt Harrison the most this day? And so we do it at the dinner table sometimes, before bed. Sometimes we just color, and I'll just say, what was your best part of today? And then it's a way that we can kind of take that with our kids too, and say, "All right, well, before bed, let's let's thank God for this, you know, highlight of your day, or let's pray for the boy that hurts your feelings." And so it's just kind of been a neat way to wrap up, wrap up our evening. And and lastly, as far as praying for people, I'm a notebook person. Um, if I would have had my way, I would have had like 12 notebooks and books up here and my cup of coffee, but. Um, <laughs> It's like when I travel. But um, I have a little three-by-five pocket notebook. It's red. It's really cute. And it is not full of every single prayer request that I've ever gotten because that makes me feel overwhelmed and I find that I don't stick with it. It's full of the people that I'm intentionally investing in and committed to. And so the people on that list are the ones that I'm going to pray for until circumstances change, for whatever it is I'm praying for. They die And I mean that in a good way, but, or I die. So in other words, like they're sticking in my book and I have a name on the front of each page and I just write through the things I have for that. So like for my sons, that might change through different seasons, but I just pull it out and I pray through it and it's easy to fit in a purse. It's easy to fit in the back pocket. um, And it's just a way to carry it around and just pull it out and go through it and to pray for those that I really love.
0: The third area of our spiritual life that we all need, we, we need prayer, obviously. And we need to be in the word of God and engage him through those two means. But the other way we need is each other. We need community. Um, we're not going to talk about that a lot this morning. We're going to have our small groups. They start up January 22nd. Next week out in the lobby, we'll have information, and you can uh, sign up or talk to somebody more about that. But one of the things that we've found to be very helpful to our lives personally is that we have people who know what's going on in our life, and who we pray for together. Here at LifeSpring, we even, uh, if you're a young family and you have kids, we even pay for your childcare. You have to find your own babysitter, but we pay the child care because we want to resource what we believe is going to help people grow in their faith. People give to us so that we can resource it. And so we want people in community, people gathering in groups where they are connecting around three things, prayer, sharing their life, and applying the Word of God. And so... We want you, whether you have a group like that already, and if you don't, we'd love to be offer you a place. And I know one thing. You know, we're all different personalities. But we would long for what small group or what a community group could offer us, and we would all dread what it could become. And we all have that picture of what it could become. But we just because something we've had a bad experience does not mean uh, that we don't need to do it ever again. We need to keep going because it's a healthy thing for our life. One time I ate a piece of broccoli that was rotten. I haven't given up on broccoli for the rest of my life. I would like to, but I have not. You see? We have, you
1: have against broccoli every time you bring it It's not it my up. favorite,
0: but I eat it. We have to go at it. If we were to look at the early church when it first started, and you could read this in Acts chapter 2, and especially in verse 42 and 47, Christ is risen from the dead. He has ascended to the Father. Ten days later, the Spirit comes to them at Pentecost, and immediately... 3,000 are saved, and those 3,000 immediately start to gather in groups around fellowship, around prayer, around communion. They begin immediately to form groups to help each other. It's hard to live the Christian life. We all know this. Is it harder by by yourself or with someone else walking alongside of you? The goal of the Christian life is not to bubble yourself into your own little groups, but is to go out into the world. But if we are to go out in the world, we need people who are going to support us as we take that out. So that's spiritual life. Uh, We want to briefly talk, too, about self-care. We have areas that we want to work at in our spiritual life, but we also have things that we need to work at on our own selves. And so Sarah's going to kick us off talking about rest.
1: And by rest, I just, I just want to say, too, I don't mean sleep, even though sleep is very important, but I mean an idea more of renewal. And I just want to read you a little quote to kind of give you just a really lovely picture of what I mean by rest. If you are a Lord of the Rings fan, you will appreciate this. If not, you will know that I am a nerd. But um, anyways, it gives a picture of, of what rest is. And so it says, For a while, the hobbits continued to talk and think of the past journey and of the perils that lay ahead. But such was the virtue of the land of Rivendell, which is the idea of rest, of true rest, that soon all fear and anxiety was lifted from their minds. The future, good or ill, was not forgotten, but ceased to have power over the present. Health and hope grew strong in them, and they were content with each day as it came, taking pleasure in every meal and in every word and song." And so the idea of rest is so much more than just closing your eyes and going to sleep, but it's of savoring and celebrating and taking a break from something that you have to do to something that gives you life. Again, I know this looks different in your, uh, your stage of life, your age, your job. I know all of that. Having a newborn and, and getting rest is really tricky. Um, you know, there's different times where your work or maybe your day is so full, it's hard to get moments or vacations. I, I realize that, but it's still important, and it's all throughout the Bible that God made us for rest and that we do best when we get some of it. It fills us up, and then from that, we're able to to give back out to other people. Um, y- you know, we really have experienced that a lot this summer. We moved. We had two boys in soccer, and you know what? sports can do to a schedule, and we're just on the cusp of that, and um, Bill transitioned to the lead pastor, and we are so excited about ministry, and we love it, but there were so many times where we were finding, we weren't having days off, we weren't, if Bill was home, he was checking emails and making phone calls, if we were having family time, Bill and I were talking church things, we weren't having a day off where we were taking a break and refreshing, and um, too long of that is going to drain you and not make you very happy or effective.
0: Part of that's just because I like doing it.
1: It is. Well, we, we both like yeah. it. It's, it. It's engaging, and it's easy to fall into. It really is. It's a default, I think. But um, but the picture of the way we would like our family and our life to be is not going to be found if we're not intentional about taking breaks and stopping and not talking shop sometime with that. And so we have a few guidelines that we're going to try this year for areas that have been really challenging for us, but we think that if we do this, it will help us to have more rest. One of them is just whatever free time you have, whatever free time we have, we're going to ask ourselves, is this life-giving or life-draining? So many times in our life, things are life-draining, and we don't have the aspect, we don't have the choice of that. It just is. We don't choose all of this. But some of the things we can choose. And so before we do activities, we try to think, is this something that's going to be life-giving to us in our unique personalities and our stage? And that'll look different for different people, but it's something that we're trying to ask. And sometimes it means we say no to really good things, but they're just not life-giving at that time. Another thing we're trying to do is keep Saturdays sacred. And this can be a day for you, a moment for you, um, however you do it. But for us, we're trying to have from four o'clock on Friday afternoons until seven thirty on Saturday evenings as sacred time. That's family time. We're not going to come up to church. We're not going to answer phone calls and emails and texts as much as as possible. We're going to be together. We're going to make special meals because Bill loves to cook. We're going to focus on our kids. We're going to refuel. That's our sacred time, and we're. We're doing our best to try to protect that. And again, it'll mean sometimes intentionally saying no to good things because what we want is to have that time. And um, the third one, which is is an interesting part for us, is we're going to try to have a phone-free time.
0: I knew about all these and agreed to them mostly.
1: (laughs) But now we are accountable before the entire church that you're going to follow them.
0: That is an occupational hazard of being a pastor. I have to do the things I tell you, or at least make an attempt at it.
1: Yes. So as you all are our witnesses, we are going to try to implement a phone-free time. Um, and, And I don't know if you're like this. I know you're all over the different areas with this, and some of you don't struggle with this. But too often in our homes, we carry our phone from one family activity to the next. And so we're at the dinner table and we're texting, we are playing a board game and checking our email or Instagram while we're doing that. We are talking to each other, and we're not even looking at each other because we're scrolling through whatever we're doing. And that happens all the time to us. And they're all good things and they're all important things. But what they do is they rob us of being in the moment and savoring that time. And it just becomes a distraction. And so we are going to try to have a time where you come home and that phone goes off or that phone goes in a basket. And from one time to the next, we're not checking it. We're not messing with it. We're engaging in the moment where we are at.
0: That was the hardest one for me. I feel like I'm slightly sweaty. Anyway... (laughs) The last thing that we're going to talk about is uh, exercise. And this may sound the least spiritual, but I just want to bring you into like my journey a little bit. Um, there's this verse, and it can get overused sometimes, and, and we all have to put it to work, but 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of God, uh, temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have of God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor, for, honor God with your body. And um, this is just... Uh, for a couple year, for, the, for the first seven years I was here, I just every job is stressful. I don't think being a pastor is any more stressful than any job. But I've noticed in the last year, year and a half, I've started to exercise. I've got a group. I, I exercise at Tall Trainer, and I've got a group of people I just love. And they're the people that I'm most, uh, most connected with in my life besides my wife and the people I work with because I see them four days a week for an hour. But I've been doing that for about a year and a month now. And I've, got to know, I've noticed that my whole life has changed as a result of just taking care of myself in a different way. And it doesn't sound spiritual, but I really think it is. There's a spiritual component to the way we take care of our bodies and our minds. And I went through a cycle, and my family has just got a long history of depression. And so I would get stressed, and I just went through this cycle over and over of, of, depress, of, of dis- stress, discouragement, depression, sickness, repeat. And it was just over and over. Stress, discouragement, depression, sickness, repeat. And it was just over and over again. I always had colds and I was sick. And I started to exercise and eat more broccoli <laughs> and try to take care of myself. And it's really a spiritual, it's a spiritual thing because we're all connected. The way we take care of our bodies is the way we are able to operate within this world. And so as we think of self-care, we have to start to take care of us so that we can be our best for other people and for God himself. But you just aren't very useful if all you're ever doing is getting sick and depressed. And there's a lot of things that go into that. I just know that it was a huge, huge help to me. Well, this afternoon, we're going to talk next week about family and cultural engagement, but this afternoon you can go home with your families uh, and you can start to talk and process this through, but where are some areas that you need to change? And as we start to change, and this morning we're just going to close up, we want to close up in prayer as we transition to communion here in just a moment, but I would encourage you to think through where are some areas in your life that you need to be more intentional. Some of these things we are doing pretty well and some of these things are going to be a real challenge for me. I already know some of them will. Not coming to church on Fridays and Saturdays is hard because I like to be at church. On Friday, Betty and Charlene work, and I like to hang out with Betty and Charlene. They're not here any other day. And I just like to be here. But I've got to start to do some things different for my sake and for my family's sake. I know it's going to be hard not to play on my phone a lot. I just like to play little mindless things. But I'm going to have to stop. And that's what's hard about being a pastor is admitting all this stuff, isn't it? But we've got to be intentional about where we want to go and how we're going to get there. And part of it is the accountability of what we're going to do. And so husbands, have some uh, couch time with your wives tonight. Sit down, talk about it. Wives, you'll probably love this, I guess, you know. But start to engage through this and start to ask yourself, what do we want our life to look like and what do we need to do this? It's the time of year we do this and let's go beyond the 15-day norm. In January, when we all start to eat a little different and do things different, let's start to be intentional and to s- discuss. It's going to look different for us all, but let's start to discuss where are we headed and how can we get there. Sarah's going to pray for us.
1: Dear Lord, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for the way that you created church to be, that we are a group of people that are showing grace to each other and coming alongside each other and encouraging each other, and so... As we look at all this, we don't have to be the same. Um, We don't have to look the same. We just ask that you would show us ways that we can grow and that we can follow you better and be more intentional in spending our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.